ESPN Sports Radio 1392.5. Now for something completely different. We're going to bring, bring it all together. Because that's the bottom line. ESPN Radio 1392.5. It's the bottom line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Good morning. Thanks for joining us on this beautiful Saturday here in Lexington, Kentucky. Miss Judy, please take your meds this morning, or, well, I can't threaten you today because I still owe you over $3,000 for that derby trifecta you hit last week. Sheesh, the woman can't even pick her nose right. She picks a trifecta at the derby. Unbelievable. 859-381-1313 if you'd like to call in and join on the conversation. You can email the show anytime, bottomlinelex at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at bottomlinelex. On today's show, how do you protect a fraud of a bullpen? Eh, just throw a no-hitter. No biggie. Vince Stover, the Sports Stove Podcast, he'll join us to talk NFL, Major League Baseball, and give us his red-hot UFC picks. He's been on fire with his UFC picks. We just let him go because we're not a UFC expert like he is. And, of course, the most profitable segment in Lexington Radio, our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks, presented by Jake Cigar Bar. Also red-hot after giving out two underdog winners in Major League Baseball last weekend. All that and much, much more coming up on this week's Saturday edition of Lexington's fastest-growing sports talk radio show. But first... Bill Walsh. You remember Bill Walsh? Not the guy from the rock group, the Eagles. That's Joe Walsh. That's a different guy altogether. Bill Walsh coached the 49ers to three Super Bowl wins in the 80s. And he's often referred to as a genius in NFL circles. But despite his success, Walsh had a reputation for not exactly being a player's coach. In other words... His players didn't feel like they were friends with Bill Walsh. They were employees. Bill Walsh was the author of something called the West Coast Offense. And he spent several years in Cincinnati before he went to San Francisco. And if he had been given the Bengals coaching job after Paul Brown retired in the 70s as coach, many thought he should have been given that job. If Bill Walsh had been given that job, yeah, it'd probably been called the Ohio Valley Offense or something like that. But Bill Walsh had a theory in the NFL that made him different from most at the time. It was a theory that hurt him personally, his own psyche. And at the end of his life, when you're reflecting on relationships he had during his coaching career. And as we always say on this show, life is about relationships. It is. What do you have at the end of your life? You can't take the money with you. It's about the relationships you make along the way. You ever see a U-Haul following a hearse down that, uh, during the funeral there? No, you don't. Walsh told his best offensive lineman, Randy Cross, in 1983, if you think you can play another six to eight years in this league, you're right. But you'll only play three or four with us. Randy Cross was shocked. And then Walsh kept going. Yeah, you're, you, you won't finish your career with us. Just give you a heads up. And then Walsh told him, The magic phrase, I only want your good years. I don't want your bad ones. This was a player who was 29 years old at the time, coming off two Pro Bowls, and was a full-time starter for a Super Bowl winner two years earlier. But it wasn't just him. It was anybody. 
And it didn't matter what kind of social status you had. Bill Walsh did the same thing to his star wide receiver at the time, Dwight Clark. He told him, I don't even know if you can make the team this year. And if you do, I want you to take half the salary because you won't be playing that much. And when Dwight Clark heard his coach tell him how he truly felt about him, Clark was very hurt. This is a two-time pro bowler coming off a strike-shortened season where he led the league in receptions. And now they're telling him he's got to take half the salary because he's not going to play a whole lot. Not only that, Dwight Clark is an absolute cult hero in San Francisco with arguably the biggest play in the history of the league, literally just called the catch. How do you cut that guy in his prime? They kept him around that season, but Clark admitted that he was furious with Walsh for years after he retired at the age of 30 because, like the others, Clark still felt like he had a few good years left. But Bill Walsh had a philosophy. He wanted players off his team a year before it was too late, not a year after. Go back to those 80s and 90s 49ers teams. Nobody left those teams happily. Nobody. You name the player, they had a bunch of household names. They had some Hall of Famers. And all of them, all of them to a man, felt it was too early when they were forced to leave town. It was difficult on the player, and it was also difficult on Bill Walsh. But it was masterful. That's why he was called the genius. Not talking about Wiley Coyote super genius type either, ordering all that equipment from Acme and ruining it. That's another story. Remember, Bill Walsh tried to bench arguably the greatest quarterback of all time against the advice of all his assistant coaches, everybody he talked to. Walsh traded magic beads for Steve Young in 1986. and the last few years Walsh coached the Niners, he tried every way in the world to replace Montana, his star, with Steve Young, an unproven talent. And I guarantee you, at the end of his career, Bill Walsh preferred Steve Young over Joe Montana. But who tries to bench Joe Montana? A guy like Bill Walsh, who only wants a player's best years, not overpaying for their worst. But Bill Walsh, he was right. He really was right. Look at Hall of Famers the Niners cut. Joe Montana, Ronnie Lott, Jerry Rice. Those are Hall of Famers considered among the best to ever play. And the Niners just let them go and watch them go to other teams and play out the end of their careers. But although they played seasons away from San Francisco, guys like Montana, Jerry Rice, Ronnie Lott, Walsh, what he had predicted, actually happened. They didn't want all their years in San Francisco, just their best years. But even though Walsh was right, he pissed off some future Hall of Famers that took years to forgive him for cutting him at the end of their careers. And although he was right, Walsh regretted it. But in the end, he was absolutely correct. He just wanted their best years, not all their years. And we can equate that to what the events that happened this week in Major League Baseball. Albert Pujols, released by the Angels this week. Of course, the rumors about Pujols' age truly being a little older than he really is, those rumors have been rampant for a long time now. And I wouldn't doubt them at all. That would explain why his play has fallen off so quickly later in his career, and so severely. And it also would explain why the Cardinals passed on re-signing him when the opportunity came up 10 years ago. 
Pujols played 11 seasons with the Cardinals to begin his career, and they were 11 of the greatest seasons in Major League Baseball history. A three-time MVP, a two-time World Series champion. From 2001 to 2011, Pujols averaged 40 home runs and 121 RBI, a 328 batting average, and an OPS plus of 170 when the average player was 100. That means he was 70% better than the average player. That's insane. But the Cardinals saw something towards the end of those 11 years that most people didn't. In his 11th and final season in St. Louis, Pujols only hit 299, 37 home runs. His OPS plus down to 148. Still a great season, but easily the worst of his 11 seasons with the Cardinals. Was it due to the pressure of being a free agent? Was he injured? Was he already really 45 years old? Whatever the reason, the Cardinals were not willing to give Pujols a 10-year guaranteed contract at age 32, allegedly, for over $200 million. And then Pujols wind up signing with the Angels for 10 years at $254 million. Uh-huh, $25.4 million per year on average. But the Cardinals were channeling their own inner Bill Walsh by not caving in and giving Pujols the money that he was asking for. And in doing so, they made out like bandits. Pujols went from a superstar in St. Louis to just a guy with the Angels, averaging 26 home runs a year, and his OPS plus 110 during his entire time with the Angels. An incredible decline from his days in St. Louis. But the Cardinals, although they haven't won a World Series since Pujols left town, they have made the playoffs a very nice six out of nine years. While the Angels made the playoffs only one time, and in that one playoff run, they didn't even win a playoff game while Pujols was in L.A. And the Angels not only had Pujols, but the absolute best player in Major League Baseball right next to him, Mike Trout. Albert Pujols, Mike Trout, zero playoff wins in nine years. And Pujols signed for $254 million over 10 years. What's amazing about it is that Pujols has not even been an average player for the last five years. His OPS plus over the last five seasons, 85. That means he's been 15% less than an average player for the last five years. No wonder the Angels just let him walk this week and said, We'll give you your money. You don't have to go home. You just got to get out of here. You have to say it's one of the worst contracts in Major League Baseball history based on the numbers he put up per dollar. But the Cardinals pulled a Bill Walsh and let Pujols go too early instead of too late. And the Cardinals were right in doing so. More than any other contract in Major League Baseball history, the Pujols contract showed teams the danger of giving huge contracts to superstars in their 20s their best years, and not getting their 30s, their bad years. And that brings us to Joey Votto, who will now miss the next four to six weeks with an injury. In 2012, a 28-year-old Joey Votto signed for 10 years, $225 million. Why? The Reds saw weakness in the Cardinals, just letting Pujols go. And they weren't about to let their superstar first baseman walk like the Cardinals did and hear their fans gripe and complain about it. But Votto had a better value than Pujols for guys with over $200 million contracts. From signing that big deal in 2012 until 2018, Votto was as good as any player in Major League Baseball not named Mike Trout. 
averaging 21 home runs, a 309 batting average, and an OPS plus of 158. And don't forget, he led the league in on-base percentage five of those seven seasons. But wait a minute. The Reds are paying a guy $225 million over 10 years, and he only averages 71 RBI in the first seven years in that contract? No wonder the Cincinnati media is not exactly full on board all in with Joey Votto. Even the legendary Marty Brenneman spoke out many times against Joey Votto's contract, saying he walks too much and doesn't deserve all that money. Well, maybe he doesn't deserve all that much money, but it isn't because he walks too much. But I digress. But just like Pujols, Votto is falling apart at the end of a huge contract. Since the beginning of his 35-year-old season in 2019, Votto is a below-average player with a batting average of 248 and an on-base percentage 61 points below his career average. His OPS plus since 2019, 96. In other words, he's been 4% worse than the average player the last three seasons. And he made $25 million in each of those three seasons. In 2017, Joey Votto was still the best player in the National League, was robbed of the MVP because of a number, 58. Giancarlo, Stan- Giancarlo Stanton, then of the Marlins, put up 58 home runs. And they fell in love. The voters fell in love with the number 58. That's the only reason Stanton beat Votto for the MVP that season, although it was a very narrow two-point margin. Votto was the best player in the National League that season. And all the numbers, other than the 58 home runs, prove it. Are Votto and Pujols' contracts the worst in Major League Baseball history? Pujols quite possibly is, but he's got company. Recent examples, Miguel Cabrera, Robinson Cano, Prince Fielder, All guys who signed over $200 million contracts. All guys who are still getting paid today. All guys who are not even close to earning the money they're making. Heck, Prince Fielder didn't play one game in the last four years and took home $96 million for it. Incredible. But what about today? Guys like Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, Garrett Cole, they have $300 million deals. What about those guys? The difference with those guys is they signed those contracts in their 20s when they still had great seasons left. They weren't signed to these massive deals in their 30s when you'd already seen their best and they were already on the downhill slide. Age matters, especially in sports. But the Pujols contract changed how Major League Baseball teams treated aging superstars. But the Reds did not learn from that lesson. Even when their bitter rival, the Cardinals, tried to reach them, tried to teach them that lesson by letting Pujols just walk away. The Reds signed Votto to that big extension anyway, knowing that he would get burned at the end of the contract. And that's happening right now. Teams that have learned that con- about that contract deal should let go of their guys in their 20s with their best year still coming instead of guys in their 30s just hoping to be what they used to be. So Bill Walsh had it right. Although the NFL and Major League Baseball are completely different in terms of guaranteed contracts, the theory is still the same. Make sure to get the best players from a player. And don't be afraid of letting players go a year too early rather than a year too late instead of overpaying for them for their worst years. The Niners got it right back in the 80s. And they continued a dynasty from Joe Montana to Steve Young. 
The Reds' bitter rival, the Cardinals, got it right with Albert Pujols 10 years ago. And they benefited ever since, while the Angels blew $254 million without winning one playoff game. And while the Reds got their money's worth early in Joey Votto's contract, including a 2017 season when Votto was robbed of that MVP, would the Reds be better off just cutting their losses right now and letting Votto go, like the 49ers did, like the Cardinals did? Yeah, life's about relationships. But eventually, like the Angels did with Albert Pujols this week, you just have to cut your losses and move on. The next four to six weeks might preview what the Reds' life will be like without Joey Votto. Because Votto's guaranteed $52 million over the next two seasons. And with the rate Votto's numbers have fallen in the last three seasons, it's easy to say he is Cincinnati's poor man's version of Albert Pujols. And that's the bottom line. ESPN Radio 1392.5. The bottom line with Brad Tether, presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. In case you missed it last night, Wade Miley threw a no-hitter for the Reds against Cleveland. The 17th no-hitter in team history. Does a Reds pitcher that throws a no-hitter guarantee success? Well, Homer Bailey threw the last two no-hitters for the Reds. So that should tell you something. But congrats to Wade Miley on making history. The only bad thing about Miley throwing nine innings last night is that he can't pitch again today because Lord knows that bullpen needs all the help they can. Miley was, was the story, but the key to the game was the Reds getting three runs off Cleveland closer Emmanuel Classe, who might have been the best relief pitcher in all of Major League Baseball going into last night's game. But Classe totally self-destructed, making an error, committing a silly balk, literally looking like he didn't belong on the mound last night. So a big win for the Reds to get them back to 500 on the season, 15 and 15. Our friends in the desert said 81 and a half wins before the season. They're right on schedule. It's amazing how that works out. Today in Cleveland, a game that can be heard here on ESPN Radio 1392.5 at 540 this afternoon. Game two of this week's Battle of Ohio series. Do they still call that Battle of Ohio? I don't even know why they would. Either way, it's lame. Luis Castillo, who seemingly pitches every Saturday, because I feel like we discuss him every week on this show. He's 1-3, 6.07 ERA. He goes for the Reds. Aaron Savali for Cleveland, 4-0, 3.20 ERA. Savali has been a good pitcher during his brief time in the majors. 28 starts. Uh, he's 11-10 with a 3.58 ERA. His ERA plus, 128. Average pitcher is 100 in 171 innings. So he's been a good pitcher in real life, eh, but not much in the desert. 28 career starts for Savali. Cleveland is 15 and 13 in those starts with a return on investment negative 5.2%. So if you blindly put $1 on every one of Savali's starts, you'd be down a buck 45. Not earth-shattering, but still a loss. And of course, we are familiar with Luis Castillo's struggle here on this show. This has easily been his worst season to date. His ERA over 6 and his ERA plus at 76 right now. The biggest difference in these two pitchers today, they're whips. Savali allows 1.04 base runners per inning. Castillo, 1.62. When I say whips, it's walks and hits per innings pitched. May not seem like a lot, but allowing more than half a base runner per inning, oh, it's a lot. And Castillo is not cashing tickets in the desert either. 96 career starts for Castillo. The Reds are 46 and 50 of those starts with a negative 9.3% return on investment in the desert. 
Blindly put a, d- a dollar on Castillo every start in his career. You've lost $8.95. And it gets worse in today's scenarios. On the road, Castillo, not nearly as good as he is overall. The Reds are 20-26 and 26 in Castillo's road starts. That's a negative 11.8% return on investment. Add in the filter of being a road underdog like he is today, and it gets even worse again as a road dog. The Reds. 12 and 18 in Castillo starts. That's a minus 12.9 return on investment. So Castillo does not have a history of the Reds winning when he starts. And then when you add in the filters of being on the road and being an underdog like he is today, history tells us Castillo is not exactly a sure thing. Cleveland sitting as a minus 115, minus 120 favorite, depending on where you shop this morning. Cleveland's clothes are classe, like we... Uh, Detailed earlier, he was Bond last night. Doubtful he gets another shot tonight. But the Cleveland bullpen, the best in Major League Baseball right now with a combined ERA 2.68. And we all know the disaster of the Reds' bullpen. Combined ERA 5.66. Next to last in Major League Baseball. Yes, the Reds' bullpen ERA more than double Cleveland's. That should go to tell you something right there. If the Reds get to plus 125 or higher, we'd go with them. But currently, they're sitting around even money. It's not enough. Cleveland has a better starting pitcher today. They have the better bullpen, even with Classe's blow up last night. And they have the home field. Cleveland is the play if you can find them at a buck 25 or less. And that's the bottom line. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. The bottom line with Brad Taylor. Presented by Stable Duel, sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Coming up after the break, it's the most profitable segment of Lexington Radio. Our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks, presented by Jake Cigar Bar. That's next here on ESPN Radio 1300 92.5. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. It's the bottom line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. And right now, it's time for the most profitable segment in Lexington Radio. Our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks, presented by Jake's Cigar Bar. How do you celebrate picking a winner? Oh, I know how I do. I head on down to Jake's Cigar Bar at Brandon Crossing and line up a big Mac Daddy Stogie even before the game ends. As they say down at Jake's, smoke local, Drink local and cross the line with us at Jake's Cigar Bar. Check them out online at jakescigarbar.com. Go see our friends Jake and Autumn at Jake's Cigar Bar. Tell them the bottom line sent you, jakescigarbar.com. Today's schedule in the Major League Baseball is tough to find a lot of underdog value today. I look at the card. Oakland has some value, but sheesh, they're going up against Tyler Glass now for Tampa. That's the only thing keeping us from the ace today. Glass now is on fire, one of the best value plays uh, in baseball this so far this season. But today's Stogie will take us to Detroit. It's so cold in the D for all you old schoolers out there. If you understand that reference, you're uh, the kind of person we like uh, listening to this show. Google it, kids. Twins and Tigers today. Jose Barrios for the Twins. Jose Urena for the Tigers. Why should anybody take the Tigers today? 9-24 and 24 on the season. Worst pull, bullpen in Major League Baseball. Yes, even worse than the Reds, if you can believe that. And looking at the starting pitchers today, though, Barrios of the Twins is ERA 3.58. Irina for the Tigers, 3.53. But the Twins are no great shakes themselves. They're sitting as a minus 190 favorite right now. They're coming into this game now 12 and 19 on the season. How could a 12 and 19 team be a minus 190 favorite over anybody, even Detroit? Eh, we don't know either. Neither team used their quote-unquote closers last night, but we don't know 
who the official ninth inning save guy is for either one of them because they change all the time. Oh, by the way, the Twins just put their best player, Byron Buxton, on the injured list yesterday. This isn't a game about who is the better team. It's a game about who is the better value. If you're going to give me anything plus 170 with the Tigers today, with the better starting pitcher so far this season, the home field, and arrested, albeit lousy, bullpen, we'll take it. Take the big odds today. Take Jose Urena. Take the Tigers against the Twins. You're getting plus 170. You'll probably get more by game time. I'd wait till game time on this one. And that's our Mac Daddy Stogie pick. One of the biggest underdogs on the board today. Last week we gave you two underdogs in Major League Baseball, and they both pulled through. Let's go for one of the big underdogs today. We'll take the Tigers over the Twins. That's our Mac Daddy Stogie pick of the day, presented by Jake Cigar Bar. Coming up after the break, we'll talk some more about Major League Baseball and, of course, the NFL with our good friend, Vince Stover, of the Sports Stove Podcast. That's coming up after the break, right here on ESPN Radio 1300 at 92.5. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. The Bottom Line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. And with us now, a man who needs no introduction on this show because he's been on for the last few Saturdays, only because he's given us red-hot UFC picks, and you'll hear those coming up at the end of this segment. He's our good friend from the Sports Stove Podcast, Vince Stover. Vince, how you doing today, my friend? I'm doing great, Brad. Great show so far. Uh, I'm going to cash those Detroit Tiger tickets. Well, I don't gamble, but if I did, I'd do it right now. <laughs> and have a good uh, Mac Daddy Stogie as you're doing it, because you know you're, you're going to win, <laughs> so it's light up the Stogie already. Who cares? You know That's already in the bag. Speaking of in the bag, you are a huge Green Bay Packers fan. And uh, we've heard nothing this week except Aaron Rodgers complaining, the Packers complaining. You're a big Packers nut. Tell us about your view of this. And yes or no, first day of the season next season, will Aaron Rodgers take the first snap for the Packers? All right. So it's been a weird week starting Thursday with the draft last week. Um, You know, and, and the report came out from Schefter saying, Team sources told him on Thursday, and then he comes out this week and saying, well, no, they didn't tell me on Thursday. It's just stuff I put together on my own and and kind of made it up and, <laughs> and whatever. It's like, okay, what's happened? I have no, no clue what's happening right now with Rodgers. You know, he's obviously not happy, but when you hear all these people coming out and saying, well, you know, the Packers haven't given him anything, and, well, yeah, they haven't drafted a receiver in the first round, but they've given him the top, one of the top wide receivers in the league in Devontae Adams one of the top running backs in the league in Aaron Jones. Last year, his tight end, Robert Tunyon, uh, led the league for tight ends and touchdowns, one of the best offensive lines in the league. So it's not like the Packers haven't given him anything. It's He's just sensitive, and, um, you know, he gets he old grudges, and it's been that way for a long time. When it comes down to it, at this point, day one of the regular season, Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback for Green Bay, and it's playing for him for this year. I think we're going to see in the next week maybe – a um, an announcement come out about an extension, and I think they're probably going to lock him up for another four, maybe even five years, and uh, pay him a whole lot of money as well. So I think Rodgers is going to maybe even finish out his career in Green Bay, Green Bay at the end of the day. Wow, that's shocking to me. I don't think he's signing another extension with the Packers. Everything I've heard is just like he's ready to go. He doesn't care where he's going. He just wants out of town. You know, it's like well, 
Yeah, you're listening to the wrong people is the problem. Um, <laughs> what do you listen there's no to? No need for cheap shots, Stover. Come on now. <laughs> it's not cheap on you. It's cheap on those those people. When you listen to the national media, you know they're going for the story. That's obviously been clear yes. with how Schefter broke the story. It's just clickbait. Um, I listened to uh, John Kuhn, who has played with Rodgers for many years in Green Bay, has a radio show in Milwaukee. You know, he said he thinks Rodgers will be back at, at, at Green Bay. He looks, listen to James Jones, who's a wide receiver for Aaron Rodgers. He works for NFL Network now. He said, I think Aaron Rodgers will be back in Green Bay. So it's, you know, the people who are close to Rodgers all feel like, yes, there are issues, but it's not that they can't be resolved, at least to the point where everything's okay. He wants guarantees that he's going to be the quarterback past this season. Um, because the thought has been, you know, this will be his last season in Green Bay, then Jordan Love takes over. And his deal is, hey, listen, I want to be here, but I need guarantees that I'm going to be here for the next several years and not just one more year. And you brought up a good point. Don't, if they had faith in Jordan Love, don't you think they'd already have gotten rid of him, you know, just because, hey, we got this guy, he's ready to go. Obviously, he hasn't shown them anything, or else this wouldn't be an issue right now. Last year really hurt them because there was no preseason, so they couldn't get him any game action last season. And, you know, they had a plan when they drafted him. They had a plan. Hey, he's going to sit behind Rodgers for at least two seasons and then play. Um, so it's not to say that, and I don't know, I've not seen Jordan Love play, so I don't know if he is good enough or not. But they, they were. it was not the plan for him to play this, this year. So he's not ready for sure this year because that's not the way the plan was set up. Um, you know, Would he be ready next year? I have no idea. I don't have a ton of confidence necessarily in Jordan Love as a Packer fan. But... You know, the Packers have done okay over the last two decades uh, or 30 years of quarterbacks. So maybe they got it right, and, you know, time will tell. So if I see the Packers out in the desert, minus 125 just to win the NFC North, you're telling me that's a good bet because uh, Rodgers will be around? I think so, yeah. I mean, not only that, but, (laughs) you know, I'm not sure that the Vikings, the Bears, and the Lions are that great of teams (laughs) also. So, um, you know, even with Rodgers out, depending on what they do at quarterback at Green Bay, you still have one of the top offenses in the league. Um, You know, obviously they will take a hit without Rodgers, no doubt about that. But um, I think they've improved the defense. They fired defensive coordinator. Um, So, you know, I think they're still still a pretty good value, I'd say, with Green Bay. You brought up the Bears. One of my favorite uh, props out in the desert right now who will be the starting quarterback? Who will take the very first snap for certain teams in the NFL this season? And the Bears right now, they have three quarterbacks on the list. They have Andy Dalton, minus 200, so he's the big favorite. Justin Fields, plus 180. Nick Foles, yeah, he's still alive. He's still on the Bears. We didn't. We forgot all about him. He's sitting at 10-1 to 1 right now. Is it really good to push that chalk and take Dalton at minus 200? Or do you think maybe Fields could step in and get the first snap and start game one for the Bears? It's possible that Fields could. If you go back to the uh, Seattle Seahawks when Russell Wilson was a rookie, you know they had planned on Flynn being the quarterback there, and then Wilson just was so good that they're like, well, we got to start him. Um, I think Dalton will be the starter in Chicago. I'm assuming he'll play most of the season or at least the first half of the season in Chicago. I, I think Dalton's a good quarterback. I don't think he's a great quarterback. But, you know, he's going to be able to win games with them. So I think Dalton's the starting quarterback. But, uh, you know, if you got a little extra pizza money, then uh, Fields is probably uh, not, a, not a horrible way to go either. 
I see you stealing my lines, pizza money. You know what, Stover? (laughs) If you're going to steal all my material, just tell me in advance. It'd be a lot nicer. (laughs) Same question with San Francisco. You look at Jimmy Garoppolo, the incumbent. He's at minus 275 right now. Trey Lance at plus 220. Oh, by the way, Josh Rosen plays for the 49ers now. He's plus 3,300. (laughs) But Garoppolo and Lance, I mean, it's kind of a done deal, I would think, that Garoppolo, barring anything unforeseen, he'll be starting week one, correct? Yeah, it's got to be Garoppolo. Honestly, this might be Garoppolo's best season. Uh, Uh You talk about, you know, you look at Rodgers and what he did when Jordan Love got drafted came back out after throwing 26 uh, touchdowns the season before, goes back to 40 touchdowns in an MVP season. Garoppolo's not Rodgers, but he's proven. Listen, Garoppolo wins games. Uh, His record is incredible, especially in San Francisco. Um, This is probably San Francisco's best chance to win a Super Bowl in the next maybe four or five seasons until Trey Lance kind of comes along. I think uh, I'm looking for a big year out of Garoppolo. We all remember that Super Bowl, though. And they had that game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All he had to do is complete one pass, basically. And he couldn't do it. And that's that's what people remember about Garoppolo. That's why Trey Lance is on the 49ers right now. But I'm like you. I think I, we hate to push chalk on this show. I, I think that's a good a good uh, investment. Minus 275, Garoppolo, starting week one. I just don't see them throwing Lance out there. Another one on this list, uh, the Patriots. Cam Newton right now, minus 285. Mac Jones, plus 300. Last year's starter, he's still there. Jared Stidham, plus 800. He was the week one darling. Everybody thought he was going to be something big. Do you see Cam Newton on a one-year contract starting this year and just letting Mac Jones sit kind of like they're doing in San Francisco? I think so. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a believer that Cam's going to have a comeback season this year. He'll be a lot better this season than he was last season. Um, I, you know, I'm not a huge Mac Jones guy either. That, that kind of, you know, sours me on this too because I mean I don't think Mac Jones is a bad quarterback and I think he could have a successful career but I think for this season if you truly want to compete and the way they spent in the offseason they do uh, Cam Newton has to be the quarterback for this season and if he doesn't progress like is expected to then you got Mac Jones that'll step in Jared Stidham he won't see a down <laughs> for New England but uh, uh but yeah I think Cam Newton's the guy in New England for this season and uh, then next year it'll be Mac Jones's team. What worries me about the Packers is their win total is no longer on the board until they settle this Aaron Rodgers thing. That's the thing that, you know, the desert always knows, as we like to say on this show. When they take something like that off the board, that tells me something, something is going on. They just don't want to get burned on this. But, hey, you said uh, we've got the – you did the inside work. You did the inside information. You said Aaron Rodgers is going to be there. Take the Packers to win the division at minus 125. We'll go with that. We'll join you on that one. Although those Vikings. There's something something about Zimmer and the Vikings. He always just kind of uglies it up and, and does something this time of year. <laughs> but let's get, to, let's get to baseball for a minute. Wade Miley pitched a no-hitter for the Reds last night, mainly because he was great and they just didn't want to go to that bullpen. But, yes, the Reds sitting at 15-15 and 15 right now. I know you're a big fan of the National League Central. You follow all the teams. Your thoughts on that uh, no-hitter last night for Miley – and the Reds right now as a whole. Here's a fun story for you. Last night I got a trade offer in fantasy baseball. Wade Miley was one of the pitchers that was being offered to me for my top pitcher on my roster. I turned him down this morning. The guy messages, see, you should have traded. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. <laughs> Wade Miley has one no-hitter, and all of a sudden I'm supposed to you know, take him as the best pitcher in, in Major League Baseball. Uh, what a game. 
for Wade Miley, no doubt about it. I saw on Twitter this morning what he pitched 114 pitches, and seven of them were over 90 miles per hour. Um, so, uh, but hey, congrats to Wade Miley. Congrats to the Reds. They're on a two-game win streak. They got a positive run differential now. Uh, one of only two teams in the NL Central to do so. Um, you know, you need those kind of games from from the pitching staff in Cincinnati if they're going to have a successful season. You know, every now and then you're going to need a pitcher to come out and pitch anywhere from seven to nine innings to save that bullpen. So, you know, uh, kudos to the Reds. But I'm not. I'm still not buying Cincinnati or Wade Miley at this point. By the way, a shout out to that guy who offered you the trade for Wade Miley. I would shop him to every player in that league right now because his value <laughs> will never be higher than it is. And I, that's for anybody who owns Wade Miley in fantasy baseball right now. Shop him around. I can promise you, he'll, his value will never be higher than it is this morning. But we look at all, you know, the National League Central as a whole, and your Milwaukee Brewers is one of the most well. puzzling teams. They've got such great starting pitching at the top of that rotation. Burns, he's been hurt a little bit. Woodruff, and yet you know they can't win baseball games. They're sitting at 17 and 16. They have no hitting. One of my favorite players, they just sent out to the pasture this week, uh, Hura. I don't know what's going on with that team. And, of course, just like we always see, there's the Cardinals. You know, death taxes and the Cardinals in first place in the Central. They're sitting at first place right now, two games up on the Brewers. Is this already kind of a done deal that the Brewers are just going to kind of win by default in this division because everybody else, like the Reds and the Brewers and the Cubs, are just falling all over each other? Well, I thought the Cardinals were the best team coming into the season as a whole. Um, you know, Milwaukee has shown now they've got three guys in the rotation that's working and pitching. Peralta added to that. But their other two two spots in the rotation are so, so bad. And with Burns being out and missing starts, then that kind of goes deeper into that problem area for Milwaukee. They've got a great closer and hater. They've got three good starters, but that middle section is just really, really painful. They're on a six-game losing streak, and the bats, they're going to have to fire somebody because the bats last year were not good. The bats this year are not good. Keston Hira, my goodness, I mean, you know, he was like the darling in the in the organization for the past five, six seasons, and, you know, <laughs> I mean, he's not even on the active roster right now. And I'm not sure when he's coming back. Kelton Wong at second base, at first base, they got a couple different guys that have stepped in and played there. So, uh, you know, I don't know about Milwaukee. Cincinnati, I don't trust them. I don't trust their offense. I don't trust their pitching. Chicago's going to continue to get better. They're on a four-game win streak. So they're going to start pushing things here. Of course, the Pirates, you know, we don't even need to talk about them. But uh, if Milwaukee doesn't get things turned around soon, it's going to be the Cardinals and the Cubs for the rest of the season. I just want to reiterate that you, when you talked about the Reds, you said, I don't like their hitting, I don't like their pitching. That's pretty much all yeah. they've got. I don't know what else we can, <laughs> we can not like. And maybe they're, they're fielding, I guess. But, I mean, other than that, I mean, that's pretty much the whole game, hitting and pitching. Joey Votto, injured this week. We detailed earlier in this show, you know, Albert Pujols just got cut loose from the Angels, was on a $254 million contract. The Angels never won one playoff game while he was there. Here's Joey Votto. Maybe not as big of a bust as Albert Pujols is, but the last three seasons, Joey Votto's made $25 million a year, and he's been a below-average player. Your thoughts on what the Reds should do? They still owe him at least $52 million over the next two years. Should the Reds cut bait on Votto just like the Angels did with Pujols? I don't think so. So I'm kind of of the, the thought um, – 
and I know you, I listened to your talk about Walsh at the beginning of the, the show today as well, and all great stuff. But I, I, I'm of the thought, especially on baseball, when you've got those extra spots sitting on the bench, a guy like Votto, a guy like Pujols is, is someone that's good to have around the organization in the locker room, helpful with the younger players, if they'll buy into a role of helping younger players. Pujols did. Uh, Pujols made a huge impact in the locker room in L.A. and uh, and and the dugout in L.A. So, I mean, I don't I don't think there's a need um, for a baseball organization to cut a guy that has, has been so vital to them. Um, it's, I think it's much different than football where you really can't afford to have just empty roster spots and, and basketball the same way to some degree. But, I don't know, to me there's still value in having a guy like Votto uh, on the roster and they're in the, in the dugout helping out and and filling in here and there. I, I wish the NL would have adapted the the designated hitter. I think that would have made things a whole lot better for a lot of teams. But um, you know, I don't. Yeah, I don't think they should cut bait with Votto. Votto would be a first ballot Hall of Famer if he was in the American League as a DH, especially at a place like Boston that had that monster yeah. in left center because that's all he used to hit those little liners to left center. Yeah, and he would have gotten more attention than he got in Cincinnati. And the fact you talk about knowing your role, so to speak, Pujols, he requested, hey, if they're going to put me on the bench, just go ahead and get rid of me. He, he, I think there yeah. was things that he said that to the Angels. So it's not – you make a good point. Are they – these big high-priced stars, are they going to be okay with sitting on the bench? Is Joey Votto, would he be okay when he came back? Would he be okay with watching somebody else play first base for the Reds? I don't know. I really don't. Yeah, I have no idea either. Uh, that the biggest thing when you talk about Pujols is the danger of signing these long-term deals to guys that are already in their 30s. <laughs> um, that's that's yes. where you hurt yourself the most as an organization. Um, you know, you have the younger guys like Tatis. He signed a, you know, a huge contract, but by the time that contract's up, he'll be in his mid-30s, so right. he'll be fine. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that Pujols deal at L.A. was nuts. There's a reason – Multiple reasons why the Cardinals didn't didn't sign Pools, but one of the biggest ones is they weren't going to do that that kind of deal for him at and that he, age in that yeah. spot of his career. Pujols was already declining, and you could see it in the numbers. And you make a good point with Tatis; he signed it. You're going to get all his twenties basically if you're the Padres yeah. of that big contract. When Pujols goes to the Angels, his twenties are gone. All you're going to get is the downhill slide. You're not going to get his best years, like Bill Walsh was saying. We don't want your, your bad years. We want only your best years. We want to get rid of you before you get on that downhill slide. And that's why these big $200 million contracts for these 30-year-old-plus players is crazy right now. You look at the best records in Major League Baseball, Red Sox and Oakland. You had that before the season, right? <laughs> well, Oakland, there was there was definitely some potential for Oakland more so than Boston. Uh, didn't see Boston being at the top at all. You know, Toronto – New York, Tampa, all of those three teams I had above Boston. So, you know, but if you're looking at the, at a whole as Major League Baseball, things are starting to finally get to where they're supposed to be. Kansas City starting to slide down in the central. Um, Oakland came back up after a horrible start in the season as well. The National League East, which has been horrendous this season, is starting to come back around. You've got three teams on a win streak right now, Philadelphia at five, the Mets at three, and the Marlins at four. So, Things are starting to get back to where they're where we expected them to be as a whole. San Francisco in first in the NL West, that's a surprise. Boston in first as well, that's a pretty big surprise too. One word answers. Yes or no. Brewers win the National League Central. No. Disagree. Cincinnati Reds make the playoffs. Yes or no? 
No. Agree. Now, it's been over since you agreed with me out of one out of two. That's enough to give you your red-hot <laughs> UFC picks. Take it away, sir. Man, we're at a weird UFC card tonight. It was kind of thrown together last minute. Uh, the main event, Mariana uh, Rodriguez versus Michelle Watterson will go with the favorite, minus 210 Rodriguez. Uh, then Neil Magny, Jeff Neal is going to be a great fight tonight. It's closely uh, in the in uh, numbers here-wise. Neil Magny at plus 160. We'll go ahead and take that one uh, there as well. And then Gregor Gillespie at minus 170 over Diego Ferreira. We'll take Gregor Gillespie as well. Your cash and tickets if you listen to his UFC picks on the show. He's Vince Stover of the Sports Stove Podcast. Vince, tell us what's coming up on your podcast in the near future and where we can find you on social media. Well, we've got a big UFC 262 show planned for Thursday. We're going to go live on Twitter at Sports Stove. Uh, we've got UFC fighter smiling Sam Alvey's going to join us. Uh, his wife, McKee, who is actually America's Next Top Model winner a few years back. <laughs> Didn't expect that. But uh, nonetheless, she's going to be on the show with us as well. Uh, we're doing picks and previews. Uh, so a lot of fun stuff coming up on the podcast, but that'll be Thursday. Vince Stover hanging out with people named Smiling Stand and Supermodels. Only in America, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Vince Stover, our good friend. Thanks for joining us, my friend. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Brad. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers uh, out there for tomorrow. And to your mother, Brad, happy Mother's Day as well. I appreciate that very much, Vince. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. That's Vince Stover of the Sports Stove Podcast. We'll be right back here on ESPN Radio 1300. We'll preview the day here on ESPN Radio coming up right after the break. Here, ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. The bottom line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Last check of the betting lines before we get out of here. Uh, Cleveland and Cincinnati today, still about a minus 120 for Cleveland, which means about plus 100 for the Reds. I need about a buck twenty-five. I'm taking the Reds. Otherwise, the values with Cleveland, I'd take Cleveland. You know, in this one, if you're only going to make me spend a buck twenty on that, I'd take the the Indians today. And our Mac Daddy Stogie line uh, creeping down a little bit. Apparently, our friends of the desert uh, listen to this show. So uh, this line's now plus one sixty-five, about universally for Detroit. We'll still we'll stick with uh, Union Detroit, getting a good number. I think a little bit of value today against uh, Barrios and the Twins. Make sure to stay tuned to ESPN Radio today for Major League Baseball at 1230. Nationals and Yankees from the Bronx. And uh, today at 540, it'll be Reds in Cleveland, live from Cleveland. Uh, the Indians got zero hits last night. They might, just might, get more than that today. We have, a, we have a hunch. If you can find action on that, make sure to take it. Make sure to tune in to ESPN Radio tomorrow morning, early tea time, 8 o'clock. Uh, backspin Golf with Matthew Lawrence. Us at bottom, uh, the bottom line here at 9 o'clock. And then the Angelo Show at 10. So make sure to stay tuned, rip off the knobs, and lock us in here at ESPN Radio all weekend long. All the sports that you can handle, that's what we give you here every weekend and every day. So we thank you so much for listening. Remember to email us anytime, bottomlinelex at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at bottomlinelex. And until the next time, as always, may the winners be yours.